Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining Radio Book Club. You are listening to KZMU 106.7. You will find us here every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. This is a collaboration between Back of Beyond Bookstore and Grand County Public Library here in Moab. Uh, my name is Jesse, by the way. I am from the library, and tonight we are joined by Julia Buckwalter from Back of Beyond Books, who has been missing from the conversation for a while, and we're so glad to have her back. Hi, Julia. Hi, guys. Welcome it's back. So great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for stepping up, and um, we're also lucky enough to have Molly here. Molly Marcello is running the board, and we're hoping she'll pipe up with the latest of what she's reading. I will. I'll do my best. I love it. So we typically begin by telling you what's going on at the library and the books and the bookstore coming up in the next month. Um, we often will talk about um, the, some of the bestseller books that are happening right now and um, move on to uh, what we're reading, sometimes the best of, sometimes the worst of what we're reading recently. And uh, we may even get into a conversation about a uh, big book scandal that occurred about three years ago um that might be a fun conversation to have and think about um julia is anything going on at the bookstore that you know of this month nothing of note i checked with sherry and yeah nothing this month i think we've got some stuff next month so yeah march is going to be exciting yes we definitely do all right although this one is in march i thought i'd mention it because it's march 2nd which will occur before the first monday of march so I have a chance to read to tell you about Words from the Wild, a literary reading by contributors, excuse me, contributors to the journal Deep Wild Writing from the Backcountry. This is uh, this is a gorgeous journal that comes out once a year. The library does have copies in circulation. Um, collecting regional writers who are writing about wilderness. Um, all of the all of the wonderful trips and travels that we take on foot horseback kayak ski anything non-motorized um in uh in praise of wilderness we'll be joined by rick kempa the founding editor by heidi blankenship the poetry editor and by peter anderson poet and storyteller this is going to be another really wonderful reading that's going to be thursday march 2nd at 7 p.m at the library Cool. So, Julia, I'm handing you the uh, most recent indie bestseller list to see if there's anything that pops out at you that you want to mention. And I should mention that the indie bestseller list is a little bit different from the New York Times bestseller list and some other lists you may be familiar with in that um, it compiles each week all of the sales from independently owned bookstores. Um, and so these are neighborhood brick and mortar neighborhood bookstores that that may have uh, that have a lot of character and a lot of personality and are very personal to um, our, our little towns and neighborhoods. And so these selections often have a different character than the New York Times bestseller list. Right. Yeah, there's there's so much interesting stuff. And I'm I'm seeing books on the list that um, I don't know if if I had seen on the list recently, I don't know if they're they're popping back up. But uh, one that stands out to me all the way down at 14 um, in um, hardcover fiction is Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. And um, that's been sitting on my bookshelf for a while now. And uh, it's it's a, the kind of uh, story that really appeals to me. It's a, there's a cafe. Uh, people apparently walk into this cafe and they uh, can t- travel through time. And uh, I, I really enjoy that kind of a, um, a transportive read right now. Um, it's it's really what what gets me going is uh, another world, another place, and uh, finding myself just kind of disappear into this other world. Um, another one I'm seeing uh, popping, it's up and down on the list, uh, Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse in Nonfiction by Charlie Mackesy. Uh, that that was just uh, turned into um, a, a film, actually. I, I don't know if it won any awards, but uh, or if, if I actually know it, it hasn't yet at the Oscars. The Oscars haven't happened yet. <laughs> but it's up for awards. It's an animated film. 
and uh, British author. Um, he's very active on Instagram. I've been following him for a few years now. But a wonderful, you know, fable, fable story, allegoric, allegorical story uh, between a boy and these animals that he encounters on a journey. And it's, it's all about, it's, essentially, it's, it's an empathy tale. It's about caring for others and being cared for. Um, uh, one of the books I'm really intrigued about that uh, almost all of my girlfriends seem to be reading, uh, Crying in H Mart, and uh, I've heard many different reviews of that book. Some people love it, some people dislike it, some people relate, and uh, some some don't. But it's um, the author is Michelle Zahner, and she's uh, she wrote a, a memoir about um, care, kind of caring for her mother as she uh, uh, died from cancer, and uh, what her experience of being a daughter um, in that environment was uh, she's the lead singer of Japanese breakfast yes and uh, yeah I've, I've heard a lot of good things and I'm I'm really curious but it's it's a uh, supposedly um, a, a difficult mother-daughter story according to some readers that I know and according to others it's it's no it's just an excellent uh, Lovely little book. So I'm really curious. Uh, any book that is divisive is um, is always worth um, examining, in in my opinion. Um, uh, another book that I'm really curious about is uh, Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow, um, number two in fiction by Gabrielle Zevin, who wrote uh, um, The Story Life of A.J. Fickery, uh, which was a huge hit when it came out. Um, what, 20 years ago or so? Maybe less? Not, <clears throat> not quite. Um, it was while I was working at the library, which has been only 14 years, so it's kind of been within, mm -hmm. that, yeah, within that range. Yeah, within that time frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, really, really interested in this book, which revolves, it's fiction, and it revolves around um, two friends who meet in college, and uh, essentially they create this hit uh, video game and uh, it kind of takes over the world and their their uh, their incomes and and lifestyles sort of explode and and the relationship i think in some ways kind of Im implodes so i just finished that book oh, so i'll be reviewing that fantastic. yeah i'll tell you a little <laughs> bit more about it but you you nailed it yes yeah and then i guess overall um you know nonfiction number one spare prince harry it's it's still hanging in there um definitely a divisive book worth examining <laughs> and in uh fiction number one we still have um lessons in chemistries has been hanging out for for a while by uh, mm. bonnie garmus so i'll hand that list back to you yeah spare uh debuted at the top of the list it's only been out for a couple of weeks um, I believe it broke all kinds of sales records, like the first second it was out. And uh, before I even had a copy on the shelf, I had many, 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 many holds on it at the library. So we're ha we have to keep a couple of copies of books like that on there. I haven't read it, but I'm very curious about it. Yes, uh, yes, I have to confess I am. Uh, yeah, is, uh, is, is his wife... <laughs> Is Megan flipping off the British monarchy every time she has lunch? Like, what do we? <laughs> why? Why do people care so much? It's an yeah, interesting. Yeah, the, the the media is truly obsessed with the monarchy. Mm -hmm. Whether mm -hmm. it's um, it was his late mother, or uh, you know, I mean, all I have to do is look through the stories available on my I iPhone, and a uh, mm -hmm. Apple Music Plus recommends uh, that mm -hmm. you. Uh, you know, th these are the, this is what Harry's listening to right now. I mean, you know, it's, it's fascinating, the obs obsession with that culture. So they're an interesting couple and their, their break, breakaway to America is definitely a wild story. And uh, he seems to be a really deeply feeling person and is not, um, not willing to uh, confine himself just to get along in the, which, in which the, is what, the firm the yeah family. <laughs> that, i think that's what intrigues me most is that that was the same criticism always leveled at his mother so so uh you know wh yeah. where um what is the difference between the two and and who is who has he become yeah you know 
Interesting. So I just wanted to mention also that a, a book that's been hanging out on the bestseller list since it came out. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it came out last spring. It's An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us by Ed Young. I believe we've mentioned this book before, maybe even more than once on Radio Book Club. But this book, I keep hearing, I, I've had to get multiple copies of this book for the library because people have not, the, the people have not stopped wanting to read this. And everyone that returns it just presses it into my hands and says, <laughs> oh my gosh, you must, this is wonderful um, insight into how big the universe really is. And I believe this, uh, this is written in a very accessible and easy to read way, not overly um, academic or scientific, but it's about how the human's five senses are um, perceiving but a small portion of the world around us and how studies are revealing that animals, the differences in their perception of light and colors, not to mention all of the other senses, um, are revealing that the world is actually much more layered, wilder and, and bigger and more beautiful than um, than, than humans can perceive. And it's wonderful that we can get a glimpse of this through um, understanding our animal friends. Um, all right, well, there's just a few, a few items from the indie bestseller list. You can always find these weekly bestseller lists posted on the library's website. Uh, we also have a little, um, a little paper version assigned up at the library's front circulation desk if you're ever interested to see. And we have them handily color-coded so you can see what the library already owns, what the library has on order, and a few of them that we don't own. And by the way, if we don't have a book that you want, I have a really great source for books. <clears throat> And uh, we will get you almost anything, uh, anything that you request one way or the other. We are happy to get you um, to get a book in that you are interested in reading. All right. Um, Julia, would you like to start and tell us about one of the books uh, that has got you excited lately? Sure. Yeah, I, I would say that kind of thematically a book that ties a lot of my reading together right now would be um, A Place in the World, Finding the Meaning of Home by Frances Mays. Um, she's, she's known as the, the, mainly as the author of Under the Tuscan Sun, and she's done a lot of writing about Italy, sort of uh, considered the, uh, the, the unofficial bard of Tuscany. <laughs> um, she has traveled all over the world, um, grown up, um, in uh, in the South, in Georgia, wrote a fantastic memoir called Under Magnolia, which I read a couple months ago that has gone out of print, um, which is just so horrible to me because the book was absolutely stunning and rich. Um, she's a poet. Uh, she, you know, she taught for years in San Francisco, and she wrote a book called The Discovery of Poetry that's just uh, absolutely fascinating uh, document uh, that that helps you understand the, everything from the literary terms to the um, the, the bibliography of, of the so-called uh, greats that we study in in the West um, in the, the so-called Western world uh, but anyway it's it's just lovely um, as a poet I just find her sentences uh, just uh, absolutely uh, warming. Um, you know, I, I underline my books as I read. So I, I underline anything that, that speaks to me. So if, if I just kind of page through, um, I, I do come to, uh, a line, uh, this is Italy's gift, how to be at home in time to be at home in time is to be at home in the world, which is sort of where, you know, the, the title for this um, book would have come from. But the reason um, I picked up this book is I was most particularly struck by reading that when she, uh, that, that she has insomnia and when she can't sleep, she, she just lays in bed and she mentally walks through all the homes that she's ever lived in. And as I learned uh, when I got to that place in the book, she, you know, when she's gone through her, her own 
her own homes, um, she starts wandering through her friends, you know, and, and their gardens, and uh, which is particularly poignant when she does does this with you know with with friends who've passed away and uh, relatives who've passed away. It's a way of kind of remembering and and uh, you know holding close um, our our lives. I think so. It's just an incredibly poetic book. One of the lines um, that spoke to me, uh, she just states the word uncertainty, a liquid state in which you float, dream, and take in the view. Uh, you know, I just, I just love her writing. <laughs> wow. She says, yeah, time is a river, might as well float. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, and so far in the book, um, I've, I've, I've uh, traveled to Mexico and Italy. I think it was Greece, uh, San Francisco, and uh, and Georgia. And uh, it, it's just fascinating. She's a she's a cook. She's a gardener. She. Um, uh, I was telling Jesse a minute ago. I I could not believe she actually studied uh, uh, the culinary arts with Simca, the co-author of Julia Child's Mastering the Art of French Cooking, and she sort of casually mentions that they sometimes were joined by Julia and Paul Child on the on the the porch or the veranda. So anyway, um, just a really rich, uh, uh, sensual uh, world to dive into. Really, really loving it. So it's it's a place in the world, finding the meaning of home, by Frances Mays. Wonderful. That sounds really delicious, and uh, sounds like a really good book to read when you have insomnia, right? <laughs> or yeah. one has insomnia, or when and it's really, cold. Oh yeah, cozy. <laughs> I really like that characterization of uncertainty because that is often a really uncomfortable place. Right. But she, she's, she's saying, slow down, float, take in the view. Yeah. It doesn't sound like she's too worried about too worried about being uncertain i like that yeah i a lot of um the book was written during the lockdown whether it was happening in the states or she was in italy during a second lockdown so a Mm. lot of a lot of the book kind of came from that boy yeah yeah i see that well i will hop in next with a book that i am just about halfway through with this is um Uh, Book one in a proposed series, it is called Better the Blood. It is by Michael Bennett. It's um, described as an absorbing, clever debut thriller that speaks to the longstanding injustices faced by New Zealand's indigenous peoples by an acclaimed Maori screenwriter and director. So um, really, really well written, clearly an accomplished, um, already an accomplished writer here. And it's a a sort of a police procedural so far with a very serious social justice uh, bent. Um, A tenacious Maori detective named Hannah Westerman. She's a single mother with a teenage daughter um, who's um, much more grown up than her her number of years. Uh, She's... um, She's at the top of her game. She's a, a, I think she's detective, senior detective detective inspector uh, for the Auckland, New Zealand police. And a couple of really bizarre murders, um, seemingly unconnected at first, uh, begin to to crop up around town. The police are slowly being, her her specifically, and then later the police are being fed little video clues that lead them to the scenes of the crimes that may not have been noticed otherwise, a few of them. Um, Meanwhile, she's dealing with, um, she helped give evidence in a horrible date rape case, and because the young man, the perpetrator, was uh, really wealthy, white, and uh, family had a lot of connections, he got off with just barely a slap in the wrist, and is now and he's now harassing her in some really creepy ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's dealing with that as well. So it turns out, without spoiling too much, it turns out that the murders are connected, and they are all connected to a crime that occurred 160 years ago when white New Zealand uh, European settlers were uh, colonizing New Zealand and murdered a Maori chief in order to take over a really prime piece of land. Um, that was sacred, of course, to the people. And um, despite uh, 
protests and even even just a few years ago they tried to protest and get it back and were shut quelled by the police and Hannah herself was involved in hauling some of these protesters off when she was first began her career and she's now viewed as a traitor by many of her own people even though she was um anyway so there's a little there's a lot there's a lot of um some nuance and some uh, some conflict, um, personal conflict with this person. Anyway, it's really well written, perfectly paced, um, a, a really interesting insight into modern day New Zealand. And um, I have every confidence that this book is gonna, gonna be really interesting. Anyone that enjoys crime fiction, detective novels, police procedurals, um, and especially with a, with a social justice, um, uh, bent to it will enjoy better the blood by michael bennett and you can get it right after i'm done <laughs> wow, thrilling, yeah. yeah um yeah the the famous um anyway enough said molly what do you what have you been reading yeah okay well that makes me want to pick up one book i'm currently reading i'm about halfway through the seven moons of molly almeida and um, I believe, let me see if I can pronounce this author and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Shehan Karun Atilaka. Oh man. Yeah, good Shehan Karun Atilaka, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that sounds pretty good. Okay, well, this, this, this author is quite famous in Sri Lanka and I believe this book came out in 2022 in English and was published a few years before that. And I just started it. I'm about halfway through and uh, I got 30 pages in and I didn't think I could continue because it was grotesque at first. So this is dealing with the Sri Lankan Civil War. And it's set in the 1980s in Sri Lanka. And this war officially ended in 2009. This went on for a really long time. And so the country, you know, has been through so much violence. And a lot of it is on display in this book. Um, so I wasn't sure if I could get through it, but then I'm glad I stuck with it because all of a sudden I'm in this like very rich text. This is a fiction book that's based on historical events. And uh, the central character is Molly Almeida and he is dead. I've been reading so many books lately where there's the protagonist is is no longer living yeah. <laughs> and is either trying to get back to life or doing something in the in-between, um, between life and death, which is what the central character is doing. So he was killed. And so that's something that he's trying to figure out. How was he killed? Who killed him? And he was a photographer during the war. And he has this stash of photographs. And he's trying to figure out how to communicate with his friends to tell them where this box of photographs is that could potentially change the outcome of the Sri Lankan civil war. So there's a lot going on in this book. Um, There's also in this in-between zone, there are ghosts, including him, that are also seeking revenge. There's demons. You know, there's all sorts of there's supernatural beings that have um, some ties to Buddhism and Hinduism. And they all have an agenda, and it's it's pretty fascinating. Wow. I see that it won the Booker Prize in 2022, which I'd forgotten about. So definitely you're not alone in thinking that this is a quality read. Wow, I'm reading the back description. I, I hadn't picked this book up in so long. I forgot about it. Yeah, there is a lot going on, and I can see how that could be pretty grisly. It's pretty gr- But then, you know, I'm getting into it. Like I said, I'm only halfway through. Um, but I can already tell it's taking down pretty much everyone who's been involved in the Civil War. And there are so many different actors and organizations, like everybody from like local government officials to, you know, families just trying to survive to people making money off of, you know, mass killings, like all all sorts of stuff. And then, um, you know, of course, having this like supernatural element of the central character observing everything, but also trying to um, be active from the beyond is is super compelling. So mm-hmm. I got into it. It was one of those, um, I'm not sure I can make it. And then I'm like, okay, now this is my book. <laughs> wow, wonderful. I love that. I love that switch. It really, 
I, I often tell people to not worry about finishing a book that's not uh, right. that's mm-hmm. that's not working for them at first. But there's something to be said for giving it giving it another shot. Right. We mm-hmm. sometimes make really amazing discoveries. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, thank you, Molly. I am yeah. I am really excited to hear about that, and now I'm very curious to read it myself. <laughs> now, apologies to the author for me butchering his name. Oh, you know that's <laughs> a tricky one. I think you did pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like. Um, um, Andache and, and Shamsi have both given rave reviews to the author in the past and I think you could kind of anticipate some aspects of those authors writing um, in, yeah. in the book of more complex worlds that take take a moment to fully um, appreciate and it's it is true Uh, Should I go next? Well, let's Um, do a quick station ID. It's about just after 5.30. So I just want to remind you that you are listening to your wonderful community radio station, KZMU, on 106.7 FM and 90.1. And you can also catch it online anytime, www.kzmu.org. And also, after a couple of days go by, this show is archived um, on KZMU's website, um, thanks, KZMU. And yes, Julia, please tell us what's next. Awesome. Well, you know, we were just discussing a book called The Seven Moons of Molly Almeida and um, and and the idea of, of writing that could be about a very difficult, uh, potentially violent uh, topic and, um, and whether or not, you know, to keep reading a book if it does or doesn't speak to you. And, you know, I was just at the bookstore the other day and... For some reason, I picked up a new anniversary edition of uh, Ceremony by Leslie Marmon Silco, and I read this new anniversary introduction. It's it's a favorite book of mine. I, I read back in college. And uh, that would be, I think, a prime example of a book that, um, you know, why, why do we read about extreme, you know, e- extreme painful uh, topics or... Um, you know, in this, the case of ceremony, it would be PTSD, and and it's because the writing is so beautiful, and it teaches you something about the world and something about um, uh, the the character and the character's purpose pulls you along. And um, I I didn't bring the book with me, and you know I haven't read it in years, but I've I've been thinking about rereading ceremony because it it uh I think that where we are right now um as americans politically i I feel like we're so distant from any particular wars in which we our government might be involved in on on some scale and ceremony uh came out i think it was just after or during the vietnam war but a lot of veterans read it because the story is about a world war war one veteran and um or was it World War Two? And he's uh, he's struggling to to make sense of the return, and he's dealing with PTSD. and And the book is kind of functions in this dream state uh, where you where you know you you learn to empathize with the character, and uh, it's it's just beautiful writing, absolutely stunning by Leslie Marmon Silco, and uh, you know. It, it was so interesting to me, just tied in with, you know, the other book I've been reading, A Place in the World, The Meaning of Home. She wrote the entire book after leaving her her home of New Mexico with her new new um, new husband and, and children. They went to Alaska, and she just craved the desert, and she missed it so much. And so she wrote herself a book that took place in this environment that she missed, and that was home. And I found that so beautiful and so interesting. And it's just funny how you can just read the introduction of a book that you know, and it it pulls you back into another world, and you want to go there again. So that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. What a great, that's a great review of uh, Ceremony by Leslie Marmon Silco. So um, let's. See, I think I'll mention, I think I'll talk about the book Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. So this has been quite the publishing phenomenon itself. It came out, I want to say last July, and it hit the top of the bestseller list pretty quick and has been quite tenacious, hanging in there in the top 
top 10 um, ever since. And um, she's quite a capable writer. And, and I had a lot of people gush about this book to me too. And I read a lot of rave reviews. Finally, finally got around to it myself. And it is, it is a lovely book. I have to confess, it didn't rock my world um, the way it has some other people. It is about three friends um, who are, make video games in the early 2000s. Still a fairly nascent technology at that or an industry at that point. Um, a much simpler world than it is today, I imagine. So um, they had two of the characters had met when they were in middle school around the ages of 11 um, under trying circumstances. Sam, the young man, had been in a tremendous car accident that killed his mother, actually, uh, and he and crushed his foot, which debilitates him for life uh, and was getting multiple surgeries and was in the hospital for just months and months and months. But was so traumatized by the whole ordeal and losing his mother that he hadn't spoken a single world until young Sadie uh, walked in. She heard that he played video games, so she popped in to see what he was up to. She also was a video game player, and they spent countless hours playing Oregon Trail. You have died of dysentery. Um, So they... uh, Sadie and Sam are are besties right away until a misunderstanding separates them for some years until they're reunited in college uh, in Boston. One of them is going to Harvard. One of them is going to MIT. They run into each other at a subway station. And one, uh, Sam yells across the room, you have died, Sadie Green, you have died of dysentery. And she whips around and there's her old buddy Sam. They make <laughs> up and they are tight friends again. And they're both still super into video gaming and start and studying uh, computer sciences so they start uh, working on a video game which becomes a smash hit they sell it for a ton of money and it is re- wildly popular meanwhile they are also friends with uh this other fellow oh my gosh i'm blanking on his name uh anyway this other young man who's much different from them they're pretty nerdy he's a really popular well-to-do very handsome endless lovers and friends kind of guy but he oh marks is his name um Sam and Marx are both uh, Asian American and both deal a lot with feeling feelings of unbelonging. And that is a big theme and it informs the game that Sam and Sadie wind up making, making which is called Ichigo. And it's a story of a, a child who's displaced by a storm and has to find his way home. They make a really beautiful game. And uh, this is a this is a love story to video gamers for sure. But the beauty of her writing is that it is intriguing to anyone. I do not play video games; really, don't have much interest in it at all. But the the story kept me intrigued, and I learned a few things. I looked up terms now and then, and um, you know, learned a little bit about it. But the the real the real um, beauty of this book is just the friendship, the complexity of friendships, a three way friendship. They're, uh, Sam and Sadie never become romantic, even though they are um, deeply, deeply love each other. Um, they acknowledged at one point in the book that um, a good collaborator is much rarer than a lover, and they want to be, say, friends and collaborators. Um, Sam, Sam does have longings for Sadie that never really come to fruition. Anyway, their friendships are complex. Uh, things do go awry, and... Um, there are tragedies uh, in, in spite of their wild success and financial success, but um, it's a, it's it's largely a story about friendship. It's just set in the gaming world, and it's um, I, I can recommend it. I'd give it a B plus, maybe. Um, uh, I I it didn't it didn't completely shake me, but I did thoroughly enjoy it, and uh, have no problem recommending tomorrow, mm-hmm. tomorrow, and tomorrow. Now, if you are into video games, you'll probably really, really, really like this book for sure. <laughs> All right, so I do have um, one more review, and then I did want to talk about this publishing scandal um, briefly. But I would love to hear what else Julia's been reading. Oh gosh, um, you know, there's there's two different books that I'll just kind of throw in together really fast um, that that kind of uh, encompass yeah those those lives the friendships what happens when uh, lovers are created out of friends and then what happens when they they separate and and that's part of that is the theme of um, 
The Paris Bookseller by Carrie Maher, which is about, it's a historical fiction about Shakespeare and Company in Paris. And uh, the protagonist is uh, Sylvia Beach, who um, opened the original bookstore. And uh, the I finished that book, and I um, it, it also took me a minute to tap into. And I, I almost put it down because there was... There was so much, um, it felt like so much proof of knowledge of history of the place happening at the beginning. And I thought, okay, okay, where's, you know, the meat of the story? Like, what's, what's really, what's the, what's the story here? And the story is that um, she publishes, the, the main crux of the story, she publishes Ulysses by James Joyce and that whole journey and Hemingway is a, a visitor in the book, and Gertrude Stein makes an appearance. And I found it fascinating just because of the references. Uh, and then on a lighter note, um, I just started the hugely popular, so I was uh, very skeptical of it, uh, <laughs> Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is about to be a, um, a series. And... Uh, uh, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by the same author has been just hanging out in first or second or third place at the top of uh, paperback fiction for a long time. Daisy Jones and the Six has definitely been there before. My prediction is it's about to come back because the show um, is uh, going to be all of March. Our episodes will be released weekly. But the premise is that this is a band, much like Fleetwood Mac, that um, existed in the 70s and uh, they disbanded at some point and why and the book reads like a series of interviews with you know Rolling Stone or uh, um, uh, you know any 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 rock uh, rock mag and I I wasn't sure and it's been pulling me in and pulling me in and I really care about the characters now and I'm only uh, 80 pages in it looks like it's um uh over over 300 and it's it's entertaining uh i i really feel like it was heavily influenced by the film almost famous i that that's really i'm 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 seeing a lot of that there but um you know friends band members um how do they come together how do they come apart and uh, really really fun read yeah, that one that one got a lot of critical acclaim and was very just popular. Mm-hmm. Was popular too. Well, I'm intrigued with that one too. And Taylor Jenkins Reid, she writes a lot. She's pretty prolific these days. Um, she hasn't been writing forever, but she's kind of got a wide range. She's also wrote Malibu Rising, which is yeah. basically just sort of a di- family dynamic with thriller. How did? And then. Um, uh, more recently, Carrie Soto is back is her most recent book, which I believe yeah. is about a an slightly over the hill tennis star, which means you're like no longer 19, right? <laughs> uh, uh, who who has a comeback, Carrie Soto, and I think she's a character. She's a character in Malibu Rising, if I recall correct. I might might have that wrong. Anyway, I do think I have that so. Right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. So she's got um yeah she's got some range. She's got a lot. A lot yeah. Going on the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is wildly different from Daisy Jones and the Six and wildly different from these two Malibu, California stories. Right, yeah. All right. Be real quick, I want to mention a compilation of new fiction by Afghan women. It is called My Pen is the Wing of a Bird. And it is, I think it's the first collection of fiction written by Afghan women ever. Um it's a project that was started by uh, Lucy Hanna back in 2019. It was a hugely ambitious project. Um, most of the authors involved never had the opportunity to work with an editor or be published before. Um, they solicited stories from all over Afghanistan, um, rural and urban alike, and started to work with these women's voices. I think they had like 200 submissions, narrowed it down to 18 stories. I have read the first half of the book, and then I gave it back because someone else wanted to read it, and I feel like it's so important. I wanted wanted this to get, get read. Um, these stories are very gritty they are realistic at least the ones that i read very realistic about daily women's daily lives uh during the taliban rule during the uh russian 
Afghan war, during um, during the American occupation, uh, some of it's very bloody and violent, as you can imagine, suicide bombings and um, and the women are just wildly oppressed um, and have very little agency. They could go to school and they could go to college. And some of these writers are even were professors. I, I was reading about one woman. In fact, the the quote, "My pen is the wing of a bird," is a quote. Um, by by Tool Haidari, who is an Afghani sexology professor in a university in Kabul, Kabul until August when the Taliban swept back and she had to uh, daring escape through Pakistan and Italy to to oh, wow. get um, to get to Rome, where she's trying to remake her life now um, as a as this extremely um, educated professor. But she wrote in a speech. Um, she said, my pen is the wing of a bird. It will tell you those thoughts we are not allowed to think, those dreams we are not allowed to dream. And that is the perfect title mm. for this book. Um, wow. Yeah, it's yeah. powerful and it's hard to read. It's beautiful. Some of, one of the stories is narrated by a dead child who's been blown up at a wedding that had a suicide bomber. And one of it's a, a mother struggling to feed her children. Um and uh, one is a, a girl that's determined to go to school no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, these, these stories come from, uh, they're very realistic, but they are fiction, but they come, they really come from all, all the all walks of life <clears throat> in Afghan. And I think it's, a, it's really important. I want this book to be, to be read and widely shared. My pen is the wing of a bird. And it's just called New Fiction by Afghan Women. Okay, we do have a little time left. Molly, did you have anything else you're really excited to talk about? We should just see what else you're reading. Yeah, I know. I'm like so curious about this publishing scandal, but um, I do have one more book. I try to read a fiction book and a nonfiction together. Nice. It's just my weird, you know, reading yeah. process. Me too. That's I awesome. totally uh, relate. You do. Yeah. So the nonfiction I'm reading right now, um, Haruki Murakami wrote Novelist as a Vocation. And I am not someone that reads books on writing. It's like not for me. But I love Murakami, another divisive author, of course. Um, he wrote Norwegian Wood, um, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, um, 1Q84. Like very supernatural, science fiction-y, but based in reality novels. Magical realism. Magical realism, thank you. And this book is a collection of essays that I think was published a few years ago in Japanese and was just released um, in English. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it as someone who's not like into process of writing, um, although I should be <laughs> because this is part of my job. But I think it's it's helping me sort of like approach my day-to-day, -day, you know, in my own daily life of writing. And it's just an interesting look into a very eccentric man who um, describes himself as an ordinary person. And his processes are very ordinary, which I think kind of endears me to Murakami as well. And um, he talks about delving and mining his deep imagination. And he talks about his own process while also saying, you know, don't don't listen to me. You know, don't take this as prescription. You know, this is just how I do things and why I do things and what I've figured out to be uh, an author. Um, you know, and not just someone who has written one or two books, but has had a really full career. So, I've been enjoying it. I I'll just say really fast mm -hmm. that he features in one of the books I brought in today, um, and it's just it's illustrations and one or two page descriptions of um, authors and where they write. It's called Rooms of Their Own Where Great Writers Write by Alex Johnson. Highly recommend. I've, I've been reading it. So I read this nonfiction in the morning yeah. with my coffee. Yeah. Mm. And then I, I read my fiction later in the afternoon. Oh, I think I kind of do the same thing, Julie. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a, the, the brain at different times right. of day. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I Thanks. love that. I'm furiously writing this tunnel down <laughs> to check out later. Oh, man. Okay. So I, about a week ago in the New York Times, I, which unfortunately takes up a lot of my morning coffee these days. I really <laughs> like reading that newspaper and doing the crossword. 
um, digitally I'm afraid, I'm afraid uh, they won't send it to us in the mail in Moab anymore alas but anyway uh, an article hearkening back to three years ago January of 2020 when a book called American Dirt by Janine Cummings Cummins was about to hit the stands it received rave reviews uh, ahead of its publication um, all kinds of diverse authors praised it. Sandra Cisneros, uh, Ann Patchett, who's actually good friends with Janine Cummins, Julia Alvarez um, praised this book. And then Oprah selected it for uh, one of her book club books. And um, the author, I believe there was like nine publishers in a bidding war for this. Mm -hmm. This is unheard of for a new author. Um, and <clears throat> actually, she's not a new author. I apologize. She's She's uh, published at least two or three books before this, but was not well known. Anyway, um, a seven-figure deal she received mm. for this. And then, yeah, rave reviews. Um, it hadn't even hit the stands yet. And one blogger took it down in in a sort of a, a random blog review. Um, and let's see. She characterized the novel as a fake-ass social justice literature, toxic heteroromanticism, and sludge. She insisted <laughs> that the author, the biggest point was the author had no right to write it. So this is a story about a woman and her son, a Mexican woman and her son, having to flee cartel violence against her family. She's being sought, uh, sought out herself, fleeing Mexico City. Um, and having to make the dangerous journey on foot, on train, however they can, to cross the border into safety into the U.S. So um, she, so th this uh, this blogger was infuriated that this woman had the the gall to imagine somebody else's life. Um, and it that blog went viral. That review went right 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 excuse me, viral, and um, pretty soon there was this crazy furor um, around this this book being absolutely um, just ill-conceived at least and outrageous at best that, that this... Now, I must have to mention Janine Cummins, while she's not Mexican, she does identify as Latina. I think she's a quarter Puerto Rican or Puerto Rican and uh, and uh uh, and the rest of European descent. So um, she, she, while she hasn't experienced the life that she's writing about, it's she's not not completely off base. Um, I read the book. I was really curious about it because of all of the high, the good hype that it had received. Mm -hmm. And then by the time it got into my hands uh, and was reading all of this outrage about it, um, it definitely definitely gave me a, a, a different perspective on the story. And I didn't think the book was that amazing anyway. I thought that the, the, the pro hype was maybe a little bit over the top at the time. Um, uh, but not, but nothing, it wasn't, wasn't horrible. It wasn't offensively tone deaf or anything. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, and, and I thought that it was, uh, it, it actually, brought it brought empathy to the to that to that situation in this this type of story and was a was a a, a good window and i think that um you know into the struggles of of migrants and immigrants trying to trying to get to to somewhere safe to live anyway poor janine cummins she hasn't poked out of popped out of her hole since then she the the her publisher canceled her book tour. She had death threats. She had to like seriously lay low. Isn't for a long it time. still going to be a, a a movie though? I don't know now. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I thought I, I, thought I had read that it was in it production, may, but oh, interesting. Yeah. It may be. I kind of be surprised to hear that, considering yeah. she's still she's still kind of. Um, on a, on a list. Yeah. So right. uh, the New York Times article was really interesting. This person was like, what's the American dirt effect three years later? And was mm -hmm. this um, was was this crazy furor worth it? Was did she deserve it? And the uh, the author of this ar article's perspective is that no, everybody just kind of lost their minds for a minute. However, we do have to acknowledge the fact that one of the effects of this um, uh, of this outrage was that um, publishers immediately began looking for 
indigenous voices, uh, people of color, writers. Uh, And so I think that there's been a great, a great advance in diversity, diverse voices being published as a result. Now, coronavirus, the pandemic happened right after this was published. That kind of distracted us. But then I think um, George Floyd's murder the next, that, that very summer, just six, seven months later, played into this and we just got this huge influx of writing about social justice and um, and from a really diverse range of voices that we hadn't seen mm-hmm. before. So sad that ha- happened to Janine Cummins, I think, but also the, the effects haven't been terrible, but I also just am sort of sad and so is the author of this article. Um, in the New York Times about the uh, the chilling effect that has on anybody daring to write a story um, imagining someone else's point of view. I mean, imagine the books that we enjoy that wouldn't be there if that had happened in the past. Uh, Anyway, it's a it's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting little article. I keep saying the author of the article, and I should I should mention this author is a journalist is named Pamela Paul. It's called The Long Shadow of American Dirt. Um, if you have access to the New York Times, you will be able to read it, or you can come ask me. I'll give you my printout. I would love to add a quick little quote. Um, yes, please. Henry Louis Gates, an African-American Harvard literary scholar, uh, was quoted as saying, whenever we treat an identity as something to be fenced off from those of another identity, we sell short the human imagination. Um, and that's uh, from this book of poetry called American Daughters. And uh, the, the author has this little prologue where she talks about um, the cautiousness with which we write about that which we call other to ourselves. Yeah. And uh, what does that mean? Yeah. So It's an interesting counterpoint to the uh, book banning that's going on in schools and libraries, too. It's kind of the other end of the spectrum. The woke, the wokeness kind of getting out of control on this end. And the... I would say, though, that there's a fascinating article about how the word woke has been totally appropriated by white extremists and how it's a, you know, comes from black slang and it's being misused. Um, I'll have to send you a link to that. That's a whole other conversation. It's it's a very deep and beautiful conversation. This is all reminding me, this is not a book, it's a podcast, but there's a podcast by um, John Bronson. He's a British radio producer and it came out recently. It's called Things Fell Apart. And it's about the culture wars and how two things can be true at one time. How, you know, maybe it is inappropriate for this author um, to write on this subject. And maybe it is, um, you know, one of the reasons the the fever um, and backlash is because there aren't um, as many people of color in the publishing yeah. world. He, he does a lot of stuff on like public shaming also, which is reminding interesting a book called um, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Oh, that's why his name is. Yes. Yeah, yes. I should have started with the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so You've Been Publicly Shamed is kind of interesting because it tackles this like, OK, so, you know, and I can't remember the author who, you know, misappropriated a Bob Dylan quote, but it with. Jonah Lehrer. There you go. It was imagination. Imagination. Right. Yeah. So he tackles that um, issue too um, of the shaming that came with this thing that, you know, the author fully admits that he shouldn't have done. So, you know, just to for that. Wow. This conversation, <laughs> you guys, we yeah. can just go on and on. I love talking Absolutely. with you, ladies. I hope that you all have enjoyed listening to us talk please feel free to come chat with us anytime in the bookstore or at the library we're happy to remind you of any of the books that we've discussed also the list will be up on both the bookstore website maybe within the next week and the library within a couple of days thank you for joining radio book club everyone we will see you on the first monday of march good night You can hear Radio Book Club live on the KZMU airwaves every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. Find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org.